Hey educators, what's the scoop? Are you ready to be inspired by great things happening in rural Arizona classrooms? The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas, an innovative curriculum. We'll dive into current school issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of teachers, administrators, and educational professionals who will provide relevant and engaging content each episode. And now, serving up the Rural Scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sador. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for tuning in today. I have Dr. Rodney Glassman with us, an attorney in the Phoenix area who has become a champion here in Arizona for both literacy and public education. Rodney, are you ready to give us the scoop? For sure. Okay, before we get started, can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and your background? Well, thank you, and thank you, Melissa, for having me uh, on your show. Uh, I am a practicing attorney at a law firm, uh, Buse Gilbert, up here in Phoenix, uh, right at 44th and the 202, Uh, but I actually earned my PhD in arid land resource sciences, uh, doing research on the impact of hands-on learning as a component of agriculture in the classroom down in the Vail School District uh, when I was studying at the University of Arizona. So I have a a long background of working uh, with the schools uh, back in Tucson while going to school down at the University of Arizona. I also ran our family's ice skating rink. Uh, So lots of field trips and lots of working with uh, teachers and principals and superintendents. And it's always been something that I've been very passionate about. Uh, But now we live in Phoenix. I have a wife who is also an attorney and uh, two beautiful little girls who are six and eight years old. And uh, we're very involved in the public school system and the charter school system. Uh, My wife is a former president of the Madison Elementary School District Governing Board and now sits on the board of the little charter where our daughters attend, uh, Villa Montessori. And so uh, very excited uh, to work with you all on education advocacy and spreading the importance of literacy across the state. Um. Introduce us to the book series that you and your wife have created. Give us the two-minute elevator speech. Well, when uh, my wife Sasha and I were at the University of Arizona Law School, uh, we attended the Tucson Festival of Books, which is the third largest festival of books in the country, and purchased a children's book uh, from a fellow uh, U of A law grad who was also a practicing attorney in Vegas um, named Eric Blank. And as we read the book, it so inspired us that we decided to write our own children's book. I have a little brother named Jeremy, who growing up used to hate being called Jeremy Jackrabbit. So we thought that would be a perfect title for our book series. And I had just uh, completed as a member of the Tucson City Council writing the nation's first mandatory rainwater harvesting ordinance uh, around water conservation because of that PhD that I had earned. And so we decided to write a book called Jeremy Jackrabbit Harvests the Rain. We worked with the local library system to get illustrations from students across the uh, community and then raised over $30,000 so that we could print 15,000 free copies of the book, which meant one free, one free copy of Jeremy Jackrabbit Harvest the Rain for every kindergartner in Pima County. And that is how our book series began. And it has evolved into really a literacy campaign program. Talk us through that. How has it evolved? Well, After moving to Phoenix, uh, one of my friends who was on the Phoenix City Council suggested we should write a second book. And at the time, I was uh, managing a large uh, chunk of the sales for waste management. And so when I asked him what he thought it should be about, he looked at my shirt and said, how about recycling? 
And so Jeremy Jackrabbit Recycles the Can was born. And in, in, a, in a moment of luck, I ran into uh, ASU President Michael Crow at a coffee shop on Mill Avenue. And, and he's a fellow Eagle Scout uh, like I am. And he is a huge proponent of sustainability. In fact, Arizona State University has the uh, first school of sustainability in the country. And so when he heard about our book, uh, he offered to write the foreword. And with a foreword by President Michael Crow, and we talked about distributing free books, all of a sudden we were able to raise $100,000, which was enough uh, to take those illustrations that we received through the Phoenix school systems um, to print 50,000 free copies of the book. So we were able to give one free book to every kindergartner in Maricopa County just two years after moving up here uh, of Jeremy Jackrabbit Recycles the Can, and it was followed by Jeremy Jackrabbit Captures the Sun, and Jeremy Jackrabbit Saves Every Drop, and Jeremy Jackrabbit Builds a House, and most recently, Jeremy Jackrabbit Hops on Board. So uh, my wife, Sasha, and I have now distributed, with the support of business sponsors, over 250,000 uh, free children's books to kindergartners across Arizona. Wow. And and something else to note is that they're not just in English. No, every book that we write uh, is written in both Spanish and English so that uh, whether you're a native speaker or whether you're learning the language, um, it rhymes in both languages. It's also available um, on our website, which is jeremyjackrabbit.com. And when we first built the website, uh, we just had our uh, our youngest, our oldest, sorry, uh, was just about the age to start playing on an iPad. And so we even bought the software where you can read the books by swiping your finger. Wow. And, uh, and so it's a lot of fun uh, for kids as well. Uh, but it's just a great project. No one gets paid. No one makes any money. We don't sell them. Uh, if there's a school or school district across the state interested in getting uh, some free copies of the book for their kindergarten cohort, uh, we're always happy to work with them. And the books are stored at the Madison Elementary School District warehouse right off of Maryland. So whenever I run into a superintendent that's interested in getting some books into the hands of their students, I always uh, invite them to come up and uh, visit with Val at the Madison Warehouse, uh, who's always happy to, to load a few cases into a truck. As you think back to the initial implementation of your literacy campaign, what challenges did you face and how did you overcome those? We didn't know how difficult it was going to be, and so we just kept asking people to help. And we were very fortunate, whether it was the, uh, in Tucson when we first started the book project, it was Bob Oldfather, who owns Bookman's uh, books, uh, books and music and all the different things that his mm -hmm. stores have now. Uh, he allowed us to use his warehouse. Uh, I was meeting with the head of the library system, and she offered to do an illustration contest. I was meeting with a business fellow who had a daughter of kindergarten age, and he offered to contribute the first $10,000. And so I think the lesson behind Jeremy Jackrabbit is really to just uh, always ask, because when you give people the opportunity to participate and support a cause uh, that truly is just about the community, the answer uh, usually is going to be yes. And so it's continued to grow. Uh, we're thrilled with where it is now, because obviously living in Maricopa County, it's nice to be able to distribute the books up here and also uh, staying close to our Tucson roots. It's always nice to put some uh, into a truck to get down to Southern Arizona. And as we run into rural superintendents and build relationships with the wonderful rural superintendents who are in Phoenix advocating on behalf of their school districts for great policies for Arizona's public schools, I personally, as someone who's you know kind of grown up in the school arena, always like to say thank you. 
And so to be able to support uh, efforts like yours uh, and you taking the time to come to the Valley, I always like everyone to leave with something. Uh, you've become an advocate for education here in Arizona. Describe how that journey got started and what your focus has been. Well, I'm uh, very blessed uh, to have a wife that's passionate about education and to have clients at my law firm that are passionate about education. Um, for those who spend time on the road, like your rural superintendents, every once in a while, they probably drive by a car um, that has a license plate that says support our schools. And it's got an apple on the side of it. And that was actually our first Phoenix community project that I did with my wife, Sasha. I'm a, a major now in the Air Force JAG Corps Reserve. Um, and all of our training takes place at Maxwell Air Force Base out in Alabama. And while we were out there a number of years ago, Sasha uh, saw a license plate on the back of a car in Alabama that said helping teachers. And she got excited. Uh, she was already a member of the Madison School Board and was interested in having a license plate for our schools right here in Arizona. So my first uh, advocacy project was working for free for my wife down at the state legislature, uh, helping her write and run a bill to create the Extraordinary Educator License Plate, uh, which now there are thousands of individuals across the state. It's a specialty plate. You can get it at serviceaz.com. Uh, for every $25 that's invested, $17 is distributed to a teacher mini-grant program uh, that's ran by the Arizona Community Foundation and the Madison Elementary uh, school District Foundation. And so each year they distribute over $20,000 in teacher mini-grants. But uh, after the children's books and the license plates, um, I was approached at my law firm uh, by two philanthropists, one named John Whiteman, who owns Empire Southwest, the Caterpillar dealerships, and the other, a fellow named Phil Francis, who uh, was the CEO of PetSmart, is a retired chairman and CEO, started when PetSmart had 10 stores and retired when it had over 1,200. And those two individuals, Phil Francis and John Whiteman, are passionate about early childhood literacy, are passionate about early childhood education, and are passionate about third grade reading. And so I've been very fortunate in my legal practice, in addition to working with large organizations like U-Haul and Mobile Mini, uh, the storage company, which is uh, based here in the Valley and operate across the country, um, to also work for some uh, retired business leaders who really are committed to the schools, committed to new resources for the schools, committed to championing the issue of full-day kindergarten, voluntary full-day kindergarten, and making sure that it's a voluntary funded grade uh, for all of our schools across the state. And so uh, education advocacy is something that I have at home uh, with my wife and daughters, as well as uh, through my legal practice. So really, in just about every aspect of your life at this time, you've got something going on with education. Most certainly. And I'm blessed to be able to do that. Uh, we know that there's a severe teacher shortage right now in Arizona, and not just in Arizona. This is a national problem. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And do you have any possible solutions for it? Well, as you know, and you've been advocating alongside me, um, one of the issues is resources. We need to get more resources to our public schools into the right place. And that means to the local governing board. Um, local control is so important, especially for our rural school districts, because as you know, um, every district and every community has different needs, um, whether it's teacher compensation, whether it's support staff, whether it's resources for the classrooms, whatever it is, um, those locally elected officials with their superintendent uh, working alongside them uh, know what's best 
for their community. And so a big issue down at the Capitol is really championing the issue of local control. I've been fortunate to work with uh, State Senator Sylvia Allen and Representative Michelle Udall and others on that issue. And it's because of the fact that superintendents such as yourself, such as Sean Rickert from Pima and others, are willing to drive to the Valley uh, to get the legislators to understand the importance of local control. So I think local control is a big issue um, that uh, the greater local control we have, uh, the more each community will be in a position to solve uh, the teacher shortage. I also uh, believe, after talking to so many teachers across the state, um, that the work environment is so important. People want to go to work with the proper resources, they want to work with the proper tools, and they want to work with great families. And so as a state, the more that we can do to champion the importance of family, the importance of faith, uh, the importance of raising children that come to school ready to learn. Uh, I believe that as a state, we're going to be able to do a much better job attracting people to the teaching profession. And so it comes down uh, for, you know, if I was going to name the top two, it's, it's about resources being properly allocated, which I would say is local control and the family and making sure that families are delivering ready learners to the schools uh, that are going to be two key ingredients uh, for getting the next generation of young people interested in, in serving in the teaching profession. Well, that kind of leads us into my next question, which is that part of the importance of early childhood programming is to close that achievement gap. How have your advocacy efforts been focused in that area? Well, um, as I'm sure you know, there's a ton of research that shows that uh, not every child is going to receive uh, early childhood education, which makes closing that learning gap so important. And the number one investment that the school system can make, the number one investment that the state can make in closing the achievement gap is by providing and offering voluntary full day kindergarten. In fact, I've seen research from across the country, including one study that says that uh, amongst uh, low-income Latinos, which uh, we have a very high Latino population in our state, um, the learning gap, the achievement gap can be closed by almost 70% simply by providing those families and those children with voluntary, with high-quality voluntary full-day kindergarten. So I've been fortunate to be able to work uh, for Phil Francis, retired chairman and CEO of PetSmart, and John Whiteman from Empire Southwest alongside individuals like yourself, like Sean, uh, like other superintendents and educators across the state who know the importance of voluntary full-day kindergarten because right now we don't offer it as a state, as you know. You know kindergarten's funded as uh, 0.5 ADM. Uh, it's a program. It's not a grade. It's never been a grade. And we're working very hard to find out who's doing it, how they're doing it, what's working, what's not, because it is the single greatest indicator of third grade reading, which our state legislators and leaders have determined is so important um, to the future uh, of children's lives. Are there any other areas of advocacy that you're focusing on right now? Well, in addition to voluntary full-day kindergarten, my clients uh, have been working very hard with uh, Senator Sylvia Allen on the development of her Penny in 2020 proposal. Um, as you know, uh, the current Proposition 301 will expire in 2021. Uh, last year, the legislature did create a new tax, a new six-tenths tax 
which will start in 2021 upon the expiration of 301, Prop 301. But it has the same old distribution formula. It's got pots of money that were created 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. Um, so it's got 10 pots of money that were created over 20 years ago, and the new six-tenths is not voter protected. And so Senator Allen, in an effort to streamline uh, any new revenue for the schools and, and really reinforce the issue of local control, has proposed that a penny sales tax be placed on the 2020 ballot uh, to, in effect, not only replace but increase the expiring Proposition 301, uh, which is a six-tenths. And instead of uh, little pots of money, little buckets that were created by special interest, Senator Allen uh, has crafted uh, a proposal, which was actually endorsed by the rural school administrators, as you know. Yes, it was. Which, which, which allows for complete local control. It expands the definition of classroom site fund to include things like support staff. Uh, it takes away words and definitions that would uh, restrict the use of the money, uh, such as where a classroom site fund used to include teacher compensation increases. Uh, Senator Allen's proposing that it, it just be teacher compensation. That way a local school board can decide whether it's for raises, whether it's for new hires, whether it's for uh, classroom size reduction, whatever they want to use it for. Uh, but it makes the accountability at the local level, which is most important. Uh, over 70%, 75% of the penny would go to the local school districts, K-12, uh, for classroom site fund uses, uh, which means over $850 million in permanent dedicated annual funding uh, for the K-12 system, over $200 million for the universities to be used for in-state tuition, and uh, TRIF, which is the Technology Research Innovation Funds, um, and uh, another $50 million plus that will be distributed to the local community colleges, provisional community colleges, and tribal colleges. So it's a really exciting proposal because it reinforces you know, the topics that I've been talking about, which is local control, flexibility, good decision-making, and getting the dollars where they need to go to have the maximum impact. And so uh, not only do I applaud Senator Allen, uh, but also uh, State Senate President Karen Fan, who after receiving the letter from the rural school administrators asking her to support Senator Allen's proposal, stood up and endorsed it. So getting a penny on the ballot in 2020 would be great for our entire education system in our public schools. And uh, as we've seen so far down at the legislature, it's the rural school administrators taking the time to get in their cars and, and drive the one, two, three, four hours uh, to the state capitol uh, to advocate on behalf of your students that's making a difference. And that's why Senator Allen's proposal passed out of the Senate Education Committee uh, and is now headed to the floor. Do you have advice on how to get involved with advocacy work for educators? What, what would you advise somebody that's just now starting to, uh, to get involved with these, these efforts? What would you advise them to do? Well, I would uh, remind everyone that education is an important issue, uh, not only for our families, but for our economy. And so for superintendents and other uh, rural leaders interested in getting engaged, um, I would suggest reaching out to your state legislators. They live in your community, and they're interested in knowing their superintendents. They're interested in knowing leaders from their local school districts. And so offer them your cell number and ask them for theirs. Because that same long drive that a rural 
administrator, a rural superintendent is taking to go to the Phoenix Capitol, that's the same drive that your state representatives and your state senators are taking once, twice, three times a week on your behalf. And so they need tentacles out in their community. And by you offering your number and asking them for theirs, you're creating a relationship uh, that will pay dividends because over time, as they have questions, they will be able to reach out to you and you will become a trusted advisor to them. And that's what we need. We need our legislators and all of our elected officials listening to our educators and understanding what the needs are and how they can best be served. Anything else you want to say about that? No, but if anyone needs any help, they can always email me at rglassman at buesgilbert.com. It's B-E-U-S Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. Rodney Glassman, attorney at law, always happy to help, always happy to uh, provide some children's books for the kindergartners if available, or they can visit our website at jeremyjackrabbit.com and shoot me an email. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm fortunate uh, to get to work as an attorney alongside wonderful education advocates uh, such as you. And the more that we can do to cultivate more advocates in the rural schools, uh, the better off our entire education system will be. What's on the horizon for Jeremy Jackrabbit? Well, I two weeks ago on a Friday night, I got a text from the mayor of the city of Phoenix, Felda Williams, a wonderful uh, woman, an old friend of mine, and she loves the Jeremy Jackrabbit book series. Uh, her grandkids love it. And she said, tell Sasha, the next book needs to be about pedestrian safety. Uh, because uh, as you know, uh, if you read the, the Phoenix papers um, or the Tucson papers or in some of these rural communities as well, um, pedestrian safety is a huge issue, whether it's with buses, whether it's with light rail, or frankly, whether it's with people knowing where to cross a crosswalk. And because each of our books already includes a recycling guide for the homes, there's always a sustainability twist. But it looks like uh, in 2019 and probably being released in 2020, uh, Jeremy Jackrabbit is going to learn how to travel safe. <laughs> Excellent. Um, along those same lines, what's next for you and your support of education? We're going to keep working hard. We're taking, uh, we're running a bill this year to uh, take a survey of all the local school districts to find out who's doing what kind of kindergarten? Is it full day? Is it half day? Uh, what program is being delivered? Uh, what are the reading scores of the kindergartners, first and second graders? And we're hoping to get that legislation uh, through uh, the House and Senate to the governor's desk because that's great information that we'd love to have. Um, and we're going to continue working with Senator Allen. Uh, Senator Allen's bill is now being supported not only by State Representative Michelle Udall, who chairs the House Education Committee, but also by State Senator Kate Brophy-McGee, uh, who has joined forces with Senator Allen, uh, made a few modifications to actually improve the bill, and the three of them are working together. So I don't see this penny proposal going away anytime soon. We can hope that it gets through the legislature this session. If not, it's designed to be on the ballot in 2020, and I have a feeling those three wonderful ladies are going to be at it again next session, and hopefully I'll be working alongside them. If anyone wants more information on any of the things that we've talked about today, how can they get in touch with you? Best way is by email. They can email me at my law firm, which is rglassman at busegilbert.com, 
B-E-U-S-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com, or even easier, Rodney at RodneyGlassman.com, which is my personal email address. But uh, always available uh, for friendly advice, questions, uh, or just a few children's books. Well, Rodney, thank you so much for being involved with the podcast today. I want to let all the Rural Scoop listeners know that Rodney's contact information will also be available in the show notes, so you can check that out at the Arizona Rural Schools Association website at azruralschools.org and get more detailed information on how to get in touch with him. Thanks again, Rodney, for talking with us. Well, and uh, Melissa, thank you very much for having me on. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.